Welcome to the Word Theater Short Story Podcast, your weekly access to the best short stories read by great actors. My name is Cedaring Fox. I'm Word Theater's founder and artistic director. And I'm Kirsty Peart, UK founder and creative partner. Word Theater is proud to continue our work connecting people through literature. Stories ignite curiosity about ourselves and others. They engender compassion and foster conversation. That is ever so true about today's story. CCH Pounder has donated a great deal of her time and energy to Word Theatre and has performed at many benefits for the Pushcar Prize in Los Angeles and East Hampton, New York. Now it is with great pleasure that we welcome author Lorna Goodison. She will introduce her Pushcart Prize winning story by Love Possessed. This is the title story from her first collection of short fiction. Here is Lorna Goodison. The story by Love Possessed is set in Kingston, Jamaica in the late 1950s. In those days, the city of Kingston boasted over 20 active movie theaters and everyone, including me and my eight siblings, went to the theater regularly. This story is shaped by my early experiences as an avid moviegoer, a child who wept copious tears as she sat in the ward theater at age seven and watched Leslie Caron and Mel Ferrer in a movie named Lily. A song of love is a sad song, ran the theme song. By Love Possessed is a love story about what happens when an unlikely parent takes place between an older woman and a handsome younger man. It is one of the very first stories that I ever wrote, although storytelling has always been a feature of my poetry, and I feel honored that it won a Pushcart Prize, and I'm absolutely delighted to have it read by the brilliant CCH Pounder. Sometimes she used to wake up and just look at him lying asleep beside her. She would prop herself up on one elbow and study his face. He slept like a child knees drawn up to his stomach, both hands tucked between his thighs. His mouth was always slightly open when he slept, and his mouth water always left a damp patch on the pillowcase. No matter how many days after, it seems the patch was always damp, and every time she washed it, she would run her fingers over the stain, and her mind would pick up the signal and move back to the image of him lying asleep. When the radio next door began to play the first of the morning church services, she would know that it was time to begin to get ready to go to work. From Monday to Saturday, every day, her days began like this. She would go to the kitchen to prepare his breakfast, and then she would leave it covered up on top of the stove over a bowl of hot water. Then she would go to the bathroom and bathe in the cold early morning water, and then get dressed. Just before she left, she always placed some money on the top of the bureau for his rum and cigarettes. Then she would say to his sleeping form, Frenchie, I go on. Take care till I come back, eh? <laughs> Dottie sometimes wondered how she was so lucky to be actually living with Frenchie. He was easily the best-looking man in Jonestown, maybe in the whole of Jamaica. 
And she, 10 years older than him, <laughs> tall and skinny and dry up. She had never had luck with men and she had resigned herself to being an old maid a long time ago. She was childless, a mule as really unkind people would say. She worked hard and saved her money, and she kept a good house. Her two rooms in the big yard were spotless. She had a big trunk bed that was made up almost entirely with pretty chenille spreads, a lovely mahogany bureau, a big wardrobe with good quality brass, and glass mirrors, and in the front, in pride of place, her china cabinet. Nobody in the yard, maybe in Jordanstown, maybe in the whole of Jamaica, had a china cabinet so full of beautiful things. <laughs> Dottie had carefully collected them over the years, and she never used them. Once a year, when she was fixing up her house at Christmas, she would carefully take them out. The ware plates, cups, saucers, tureens, glasses... Lemonade sets, serving dishes, teapots, and she carefully washed them. <laughs> this took nearly the whole morning. She washed them in a pan of soapy warm water, rinsed them in cold water, then dried them with a clean towel. Then she would rearrange them artistically in the cabinet. On that night, she would sometimes treat herself to a little drink of Porto Pruno wine sitting by herself in her living room and would gaze on her china cabinet, enjoying the richness within, the pretty colors, and the lights bouncing off the glasses. Her sister always said that she worshipped her possessions. Maybe she did. But what else did she have? Until she met Frenchie. <laughs> there was one thing that Dottie really liked. She liked the movies. And that is how she met Frenchie. She was in the line outside the Ambassador Theatre one Saturday night, waiting to get into a hot triple bill when she struck up a conversation with him. He was standing behind her in the line, and she remembered feeling so pleased <laughs> that a man as good-looking as this was talking to her. They moved up in the line till they got to the cashier, and uh, she, being ahead of him, took out ten shillings to pay for herself. It was the easiest, most natural thing in the world for her to offer to pay for him when he suddenly raised an alarm that his pockets had been picked. If she had been seeing straight, she would have noticed that some people were laughing when he raised the alarm. But she didn't see anything but the handsome, brown-skinned man with good hair, straight nose and a mouth like a woman's. <sighs> it was the best triple bill Dottie ever watched. He had walked her home, all the way home. They talked about the movies. His favorite actor was Ricardo Montalblan. <laughs> she liked Dolores Del Rio, for that is how she would have liked to look. Sultry, Spanish. For then she and Frenchie would make a striking couple, just like two movie stars. 
As it was, she was looking a little something like Popeye's girlfriend, Olive Oil. <laughs> and he was probably better looking than Ricardo Montalban. Frenchy did not work. He explained that he used to have a job at the wharf, but he got laid off when his back was damaged unloading some cargo. She sympathized with him, and some nights she would rub the smooth expanse of his back with wintergreen oil. He said he liked how her hands felt strong. Frenchy moved in with Dottie about two weeks after they met. At first, she was a little shy about having a man living in her room, and then she began to feel very proud of it. At least she was just like any other woman in the yard. As a matter of fact, she was luckier than all of them, for Frenchy was so good looking. <laughs> Woo! She mined him. Does he buy everything down to his underwears, his drawers that Frenchie wore? Said his sister, not even a kerchief the man buy for himself. <laughs> the people in the yard would laugh at her behind her back. They wondered if Frenchie kept women with her. Winston, her nephew, said, Rum a Frenchie woman. Man, you ever see that man hog up a rum bottle? Now that was true. Frenchie loved rum, and rum loved him, for he never seemed to get drunk, as a matter of fact. Every day he spent a good eight hours like a man going to work in Mr. Percy's bar at the corner. <laughs> After Dottie had gone to work at St. Andrew's house, where she did domestic work for some brown people, Frenchie would wake up, he would bathe, eat the breakfast that Dottie had left for him, and get dressed, just like any man going to work. He always wore white short sleeve shirts, which Dottie washed whiter than pelican shit. <laughs> he favored khaki pants, so she ironed both shirt and pants very carefully. He would get dressed very, very carefully, put some green brilliantine in his hair, and brush it till it had the texture of a zinc fence. <laughs> or as one man in the yard said, Every time I see you, Hair Frenchy go, I feel seasick. <laughs> Frenchy would laugh, showing his gold crown on his front teeth, run his hand over his hair and say, waves that behaves, boy, waves that behaves. <laughs> when his toilette was over, he would walk leisurely up the road to the bar. The one thing which made you realize that he could not have been going to work like any other decent man, was his shoes. He wore backless brown slippers. Frenchy would sit in the bar and make pronunciations on matters ranging from the private life of the royal family, Princess Margaret was his favorite topic, to West Indian cricket. He always had inside knowledge on these matters, general world affairs, and most of all, the movies. Everybody was in awe of Frenchy. He was just so tough handsome and in control of life. His day at the bar usually ended at 5 p.m. just like any other working man. <laughs> then he would go home and join the domino game which went on constantly in the yard. Usually Dottie would find him at the domino table when she burst in through the gate, always in a hurry, anxious to come home and fix his dinner. She always said the same thing when she came across the gate. <clears throat> Papa, I come. And he, looking cool and aloof, eyes narrowed, 
through the cigarette smoke, would say, Oh, you come. Dottie always experienced the thrill when he said that. <laughs> it was a signal of ownership. The slight menace in his voice was exciting. You knew it gave you the right to say, You know, Frenchie is vexed when I come home late. <laughs> she would hurry to fix his dinner and set it on the table before him. She hardly ever ate with him, but sat at the table watching him eat. Every day, Frenchie ate a Sunday dinner. Winston would say, it was true. Dottie cooked only the best for Frenchie. He ate rice and peas at least three times per week, unlike everybody else who only ate it on Sunday. Dottie would leave the peas soaking overnight and half-boil them in the morning so that they would finish cooking quickly when she hurried home in the evenings. He always had beef steak at least twice a week and quality fish and chicken the rest of the week. Dottie lived to please Frenchie. She was a character in a film by Love Possessed. Then one day in Mr. Meyer's bar, the movie turned into real life. Frenchie was sitting with his usual group of drunk already friends talking about a movie he had seen. When a stranger stepped into the saloon, actually, he was an ordinary man. He had a mean and menacing countenance because he was out of work and things were bad at home. He walked into the bar and ordered a white rum and sat on a bar stool, scowling and screwing up his face every time he took a sip of the pure 100-proof cane spirit. And suddenly, Frenchie's incessant talking began to bother the stranger. The more Frenchie talked, the more it bothered him. He looked at Frenchie's pretty boy face and his soft-looking hands, and he hated him. Then Frenchie reached a high point of the story he was telling. He was painting a vivid picture of the hero wronged by a man who doubted his integrity, and Frenchie was really into it. He became the wronged hero before everyone's eyes. His voice trembled. His eyes widened in disbelief as the audience gazed spellbound at him. Then the star boy said, said Frenchie, him say, what kind of man you think I am? The stranger at the bar never missed a beat. He replied, a batty man. <laughs> and the bar erupted. The laughter could be heard in the streets. The barmaid laughed till they had to throw water on her to stop her from becoming hysterical. All the people who had ever wanted to laugh at Frenchie laughed at him. All the people who envied him, they laughed at him. Oh God, his old sweet boy life laughed at him. Everybody was laughing at him. The uproar didn't die down until almost half an hour and people who heard came running off the streets to find out what happened. One man took it upon himself to tell all the newcomers the story, over and over again. Frenchie was sitting stunned. He tried to regain face by muttering that the man was a blasted fool, but nobody listened. Finally, the self-appointed raconteur went over to him and said, Cho, <laughs> Frenchie, you can't take a joke? Then he lowered his voice taking advantage of the fallen hero, and said, All the same, you know everybody must wonder about you. 
how a good-looking man like you live with a maga dry-up woman like Dotty. She's so flat and crony. Upon hearing this, Frenchie got angrier. And funnily enough, he wasn't angry at the man. He was angry at Dotty. It was true. She didn't deserve him. She was mog and crony and dry up and really was not a woman that a handsome, sexy man like him should be with. No wonder that blasted, ugly boy could have been feisty with him. He understood what the hero meant in the movies when he said he saw red. Frenchie felt like he was drowning in a sea of blood. He wanted to kill Dottie. He got up and he walked out of the bar to go home. When Dottie hurried in from the door that evening, saying breathlessly, Papa, I'll come. She was met with the following sight. Frenchie was standing at the door of her front room with her best soup tureen in one hand and four of her best gold-rimmed tumblers stacked inside each other in the other hand. And as soon as he saw her, he flung them into the street. He went back inside and emerged with more of the precious things from her china cabinet, and he flung them into the street where they broke with a rich, full sound on the asphalt. After a while, he developed a steady rhythm. He began to take what looked like the same amount of steps each time he went into the house. Then he'd emerge with some crockery or glass, walk to the edge of the veranda, take the same amount of steps, and with an underarm howling action, fling them into the street. Dottie screamed. She ran up the steps and clutched at him. He gave her a box that sent her flying down the steps. Everybody screamed. The men kept saying that he had gone ras mad. Nobody tried to restrain him, for he had murder in his eyes, and he never stopped till he had broken all of Dottie's things and he walked out of the yard. Frenchy ban, no ras boy. Oh. You see when he fling them things? Frenchy's name became a great legend in the neighborhood. Nobody ever seen anybody mash it up like that. So nobody had ever seen anybody in such a glorious temper. He mash up the place to blues, boy. Nobody remembered him for, what kind of man do you think I am? Even poor, broken Dottie remembered him for his glorious temper. She would have forgiven him for breaking her precious things. She would have liked to have told the story of how bad her man was and the day he broke everything in her china cabinet and boxed her down the steps. But he didn't give her a chance. She kept going to the Sunday night triple bills at the ambassador, but she never saw him again. And after that, she took a live-in job, gave up her rooms in the yard. We hope you have enjoyed listening to CCH Pounder reading Lorna Goodison's By Love Possessed from her collection with the same name, published by Amistad Books. 
You can support two nonprofits by going to bookshop.org and purchasing one of Lorna's collections of essays, poetries, or stories. And if you enjoyed this week's Word Theatre podcast, please write us a review and visit our website at wordtheatre.org to check out our upcoming event schedule and see how to become a Word Theatre member. As always, thanks for tuning in to the Word Theatre Short Story Podcast. We'd like to give a big shout out to the Los Angeles County Department of Arts and Culture who helps support our podcast. Thank you, Jonathan Sachs, for composing our theme music. And thank you, Jason Lee, our podcast editor. This is Kirsty Peart in England. And I'm Cedaring Fox in Los Angeles. Until next week, signing off. <laughs>